Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Johto PR. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy. Good morning, Carla Joe Helms. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. And uh, today we'll be talking with Mark Schaefer of Schaefer Marketing Solutions about his new book, Cumulative Advantage. I'm sure I'm going to have a hard time saying that name over and over again. And uh, live events. We'll talk about his early scare with COVID. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get to um, talking about some of Google's getting rid of cookies and the balance between privacy and, and personalization. Um, a quick note on Mark. Uh, Mark Schaefer, he's the executive director of Schaefer Marketing Solutions and the CEO for B Squared Media. He's also an author of several best-selling books, uh, an acclaimed keynote speaker, college educator, business consultant. He also puts out the Grow newsletter. If anybody's looking for a business newsletter to follow, that's a great one. And uh, he, he puts on some amazing events. His podcast, the Marketing Companion podcast, is, uh, is among one of the top business podcasts in the world. And uh, one of my favorite people online, Mark Schaefer. Yeah, very kind. Very kind of you. Thank you. I'm yeah, I got to put a the or a mister or something in front of your name, I guess. So <laughs> thanks for joining us, Mark. Dude. Thanks for being here today. Dude Schaefer. <laughs> <laughs> Mark the Dude Schaefer. So dude. let's jump straight into your book, Cumulative Advantage. Sure. Um, can you tell the listeners kind of what the, what's that about? Uh, what's the book on? Well, you know, as I reflect on my career over the last decade or so, I've sort of focused on the same thing. I had this realization that what I've focused on is how do we become the signal in this world of noise as the amount of content and competition just grows and grows and grows. Even today, uh, you know, if we're doing great work, if we're doing our best work, chances are we can be buried. And I'm like obsessed with trying to figure this out. What, what do you do? I'm a consultant. I've got, as you mentioned, I, I teach at a university. I teach at Rutgers. And it's like, what do you say? I don't want to tell people, oh, well, it's a hard problem. We just need to you know, go away. <laughs> we just need to and do more. <laughs> do, yeah, work harder. <laughs> work smarter, not harder. So this led me to this idea of, of momentum. If we're kind of plateaued, and we're doing our very best and we're following all the best practices, what do you do? Because as I, as I talk about in the, in the book, the, the odds are stacked against us in, in some non-obvious, some obvious ways and some non-obvious ways. Yeah. And so, uh, so I started thinking about, well, you know, how do you build momentum? And I went down a deep, 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 dark rabbit hole trying to figure this out. And it led me to research that started in the 1960s um, in, the, in the field of sociology to determine how do people build momentum. And I found that there is a pattern to this. There's a pattern that repeats over and over and over again, but it just hasn't really been applied to us and, and to businesses. It's kind of just been stuck in academia and they've proven these ideas in sports, in tech, in entertainment, in mm -hmm. almost any kind of field you can imagine, but no one's ever really cracked the code to figure out how, you know, how do we put this together and make it work? I want to, so, I feel like I want to jump yeah. in with my two cents, but I'm worried I'm yeah. off topic. So just correct me if I'm, I'm pushing the right jump, direction. Here. Jump on in. The water's fine. Are we <laughs> talking about momentum, like a flywheel type situation where you, you don't have to do all the work 
from mm. zero every time kind of a situation where you're building a business that, um, you know, builds on top of itself type momentum, or is this something, something yeah. slightly different? That's a very good question. Cause the flywheel is a very famous model um, popularized by Jim Collins, who I actually, you know, quote in the book in some other areas, but here's the big difference. The, a flywheel, the flywheel idea, the flywheel theory, this assumes you've already made it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the, Jim Collins talks about, this is the thing that keeps bring, ringing things up for you, right? This is where you double down. Now, here's the problem. What if, what if we're not there? What if we're in this world and we don't have that advantage? You, you, there's no such thing as a flywheel if you're a startup. Right. You're start, you don't start out. As, so you're talking about you're, you're starting out as a snowflake and you got to get to snowball somehow. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, and then how do we turn that into an avalanche? Now, once you're an avalanche, then you read the Jim Collins book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what I'm, what I'm obsessed with is, you know, how do you fight through if you don't have all that stuff? You know, if, if, if you don't have a million followers, you don't have a million dollars, you don't have a Harvard education. Yeah, and, and how do you, you get know, your snow to stick? Right. Cause you might be like, Oh, stick. I'll just keep building, but it's melting faster than you're building. And you're like, how do I build something that yeah. actually gets some momentum? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Okay. And what we see is that once you, once you identify this pattern, it all begins to make sense. Then you can see even like successful businesses at some point they followed this pattern. Successful. Nobody is born a, an overnight success. Nobody is just granted influencer status or whatever. You, you know, you you have some initial advantage. You you pursue it. It meets some unmet or underserved customer need. There there are ways to keep the momentum going and build the momentum going, build the momentum along the way, which I talk about in my book. And 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 that's the that's the pattern you'll see for every successful person in every successful business. So I know you have a whole book on it, but are there some, are there some tricks or tips or, I mean, tricks makes it sound like it's a con or something, but are there some tips yeah. on within that book on what people can do and not do probably to, to make their efforts continually go two step forwards and three step back kind of thing. Well, I guess my first question is where do you start? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's, yeah. Well, I think the, the part about the book that's so hopeful and, and inspirational is this realization that almost every success begins with a random moment. Uh, and and I, can, I can point to why I'm with you today to a conversation I had with my boss in like 1992. Uh, I was stuck in my job trying to figure out what do I do? What's my next marketing job? And I'm reading about the internet. And nobody was on the internet. No, and, and every back then it was AOL, you've got mail. That was really about it. Companies weren't thinking about really applying this in a marketing sense. So I went to my boss. I said, I've got some ideas. I want to experiment with this thing. Can I get an AOL account and put it on my expense account? After much debate, because he thought it was a big waste of money, he agreed. I had some ideas. I pursued those ideas and they worked. I now, love that a 1992 AOL account is a big waste of money. <laughs> yeah, it was like nine bucks a month. Well, that, at that point, my boss was even resisting email. So, right. 
he wasn't an early adopter of anything. <clears throat> so a few years later, this Fortune 100 company I'm working for wakes up and decides we need to have a global e-business department. Who shall run this thing? Oh, Mark, you've been in this thing longer than anybody <laughs> else. You shall run it. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but I, I was an internet pioneer. We were creating e-commerce solutions around the globe. We were installing these things in China and Russia and Brazil and all over the place. And we were creating things on the fly. And I was working on adoption. Then we, then we moved to CRM. Then we moved to C, social media and all these things that were emerging. So what, would you say it was almost on a whim that you got into the internet kind of early and you were playing around with it and looking into it? Or was that you were always now, into no, that kind I think of thing? I think that's an, there's an important distinction. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a great wisdom behind your question is that it, it wasn't necessarily a whim. I was curious mm. and it was more than curiosity. It was more than an idea. It's pursuing the curiosity. And this is a big, uh, a big point because lots of people have ideas. Momentum does not begin with an idea. Momentum begins with pursuing the idea with the quest. And so it's, pursu it's yes. pursuing that curiosity or it's just going to sit there. Right. People have millions of good ideas, but that doesn't mean momentum. Those, those are just ideas gathering dust. Awesome. Okay. So pursuing ideas, like Carla Joe asked, what's the start of it? Yeah. So it's, that is pursuing the idea. Now, is it making thing, a decision like I'm going to find this out like you did, right? Yeah, exactly. It could be anything. So it starts with some sort of decision. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you uh, an example from last week. And I mean, this is an example of just like a random thing that could be a, a, an amazing opportunity for somebody. I, I read a headline, I believe it was maybe in the Wall Street Journal, that said Hallmark, the biggest greeting card company in the world, is getting out of e-cards. Now I'm reading this headline, I'm thinking that makes no sense. The entire world is going to e-commerce. The pandemic sped up e-commerce. Nobody can go to the store and buy a greeting card. And even if you have a greeting card, nobody wants to open that letter that you licked and was handed, you know, hand, I love handled, greeting cards. I love handled, them. Handled by a hundred people in, in a pandemic. Yeah. This makes, you know, what the, what the heck is Hallmark That's thinking? That's true. Right? So now, so this is a fracture in the status quo, right? The status quo is, Hallmark, everybody's going e-commerce. Yeah. Hallmark saying, no, we're not. Now, instead of ignoring it, I dove down. What is going on here? Here's what I found. Something like, doesn't make sense. So you were something curious doesn't make to sense. say, huh, and then go on to something I else. I pursued like, my curiosity. Yeah. Trend, trend number one. Their big, the biggest demographic to send out greeting cards is senior citizens. I was going to say elderly people. They do not like sending out cards on a computer. What's the second biggest demographic? This is going to blow your mind. Gen Z. They also do not want to send out e-cards. They love handmade artisanal cards that mean something. 
Wow. Hold on to and keep. So now. And everybody I'm else a- is just memeing, right? We're like, what's yeah. a card? We're just going to make a <laughs> meme and put it out there. I send cards to my friends. They're the coolest cards. Here. Uh, and they don't be- even respond to me. It has to be cool, right? <laughs> Ungrateful. So, so now, if I'm an artist who has, you know, a predisposition to do this kind of thing, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a TikTok channel showing behind the scenes of how I make greeting cards and build this Gen Z greeting card business. There you go. Okay. And because there's a fracture in the status quo, something doesn't make sense. I'm going to pursue this curiosity and apply my talents as an artist. That's my initial advantage. I make cool cards. Boom. You go, you go and go and go and go and go and put your full force as fast as you can to drive that, that seam. Now, maybe it won't last forever. Maybe five years from now, Gen Z decides, These are, this is stupid. We're not doing this anymore. We like e-cards. Right. But you go as long <laughs> as you can because that's the nature of our world today. A strategy is not a five-year plan. A strategy is right now. Move right now. And I mean, a lot of businesses don't work. So you have an idea, you pursue it, you're curious. It doesn't guarantee it's going to work out. A lot of things can happen and get in the way. But if you don't pursue it, you can kind of guarantee it doesn't. I mean, we all know people. We we are probably all the person who says, has that story of like, oh, I invented that. I had that idea in 1986. And But yeah, yeah, you were curious. You You had the idea, you didn't pursue it. And here's the beauty is that, I mean, when I was a young guy in business, if I wanted, if I pursued an idea and I wanted to test it before the internet, let's say, you had to freaking build something. Yeah. yeah. There was no you lean had, startup. You had, yeah. you had to distribute it, right? Yeah. Today, you can test almost anything online for almost no time and no money to see if there's any market there, right? Yeah. You, you can crowdsource, crowdfund, you know, all, all these different platforms. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, there's been no better time to test these, well, I call it a seam, to test test these seams and test business ideas and see if there's something there. So that's the first step is, I mean, the first step, curiosity, having the idea, then pursuing it. Yeah. Now pursuing it though, is you're still the snowflake. How do you get some momentum? Assuming everything else falls in place, it's a good idea, there's a market, that kind of stuff. Yeah, How now do what do you do? Get momentum so you're not starting from- Yeah, zero well that, I mean, that's really step two is that, is there a market? You know, is is there a seam? And that I think is a very important part of the book because people said a lot of people said that's their favorite part of the book because I, I kind of redefine strategy based on what really is today, how things really work and the speed of business today. So right. boom, you have an idea, you pursue the idea. Does anybody care? Right. Before you manufacture the product, you do a yeah. marketing campaign basically to say, do yeah, people want to buy it? it out. Yeah, their interest. figure it out. You know, you test it in some small way and there's been lots written about that, but you test it to see, yeah, okay, check the next box. All right. Now, typically, now that is the beginning of momentum. You've pursued an idea. The world tells you, yes, we like that idea. Now, how do we keep the momentum going? Usually the next step is we need to build awareness. And from, you know, I'm a marketing geek. I, I see almost everything through a lens of marketing. I'm so weird. And uh, this is, so this is kind of my favorite part of the book is, is how do you build awareness today? 
Yeah. And what I, what I go through in this book is, is some new views of how content really moves. And it's not really like you think. And so, uh, so, so there's a, a bunch of you know, really different kind of viewpoints there based on new research. And uh, I think one of the most fun pieces of this is the role of social proof. Now, yeah. if, if you're not a marketing person, this not, might not be familiar to you, but it's Everybody listening should be marketing people. Yeah, everyone or they're should. small oh, business owners true. and they want I to be am. people. Yeah. Shame <laughs> on me. I forgot where I am. Yeah. If you're see, on the I, wrong the, podcast. If earlier this see. morning, I was doing the veterinary show. Right. So I'm, I have to be dis, I have to be reoriented here. It's not yeah. hot sports talk. But 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 uh, but but social proof, you know, in, in the, the big mistake that marketers make is when they try to introduce an idea or a product, uh, they assume that people make this decision in isolation. They say, okay, here's my target audience. As long as I appeal to this target audience, you know, we're going to be okay. So but, is that like them saying, if they like my messaging, they'll buy it. And if they don't, yeah, they won't. That's right. But the thing is, the, the message is, is, is a small piece of the pie, arguably, maybe a minor piece of the pie. And especially if you're selling a high dollar uh, you know, item, because what people are going to do, if you're selling, if you're going to buy something that's a couple hundred bucks, you're not just going to listen to some company. You're going to go look at reviews. Yep. You're going to go testimonies. Reviews, news, content. Yeah, for sure. You're going to go on Twitter and say, hey, thinking about buying this new microphone, what do you think? Boom, 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 boom. All right. So reviews, testimonies, views. This, so this is social proof when you don't know. You don't have this mic in front of you and you've never tested it, but you're thinking about buying this new mic. And so you rely on the views of others. And here is what is happening in this world. The views of others can, can override truth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. If you hire enough influencers, you get the fire festival because yeah. it doesn't matter what the truth is. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a bad example. Because <laughs> 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 the truth, the truth won out on that one. Oh, eventually. But, yeah. But I mean, a yeah. lot of people went. It went out once they got there because sure. they got sold on this hundreds thing. and hundreds of people. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's, but you're exactly right. So you had the beautiful videos and you had all the beautiful influencers on the boat drinking their drinks. And everybody says, yeah, I want to be that. And so they plunked down thousands of dollars yeah. to be part of it. So, so, but, but social proof can even be more subtle than that. It can be, it can be ratings. It can be five stars, right? Right. It, it can it can uh, it could be content shared on social media is you know is 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 huge. Uh, the a, a respected voice like a you know a tech journal or you know wherever you're trying to find uh, your information. Right. So, so back in the day, there was a couple channels, and it was basically like if you're a comedian and you get on the Late Show, yes, that's, that's proof for the world that's that you're a it. hit. Yeah, today we and, have so many channels. We have the internet. It's like, yeah. you gotta get and, it. and today, as, and this is something I, I dive into very deeply in the Marketing Rebellion book, which is my, my previous book to cumulative advantage, is that today, two thirds of our marketing is occurring without us. The customer is the marketer. So the marketing message yeah. really is 
you know, the customers are in control of the brand in a lot of ways. A brand used to be the marketing message. It used to be what we told people, but today the brand is what people tell each other. And so this requires a new marketing mindset to, to think about, all right, yeah, maybe what we tell people matters a little bit, but how do we, how do we earn our way into this conversation? So how, how do we, we influence what they tell each other? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. How do we earn our way onto this customer island so that they enjoy talking about us and enjoy telling these stories? So it seems like if you, what you're saying, if I'm getting it right, is if you want to start building this flywheel, getting this snowball into an avalanche, um, you don't necessarily want to invest in things like billboards. And I mean, it seems to be going against almost against, although you, I guess you could apply it to account-based marketing. Um, well, it sounds but, all like PR and influencer stuff. Yeah. You. you really want to make sure you have a ton of good reviews that your branding is all out there as not you putting an ad in front of people necessarily, yeah. but as people, people don't believe you. Right. They're going to roll their eyes. <laughs> we're going to roll their eyes and they're going to say, yeah, that's what we expect. You okay, to that's, say. that's the quote of the episode. People don't believe you. <laughs> they don't believe you. Yeah. They don't, they, they believe it's a PR world today. It's an influencer they, they, world today. It's they, true. They, believe, they, they believe each other. And, and I mean, you know, the whole influencer topic is a, is, is a big one. I think it's a highly charged one and very misunderstood in a lot of ways, but I mean, everyone is, is an influencer in some way. Right. I mean, I was yeah. looking to buy a new, a new uh, suitcase, a piece of luggage. And I have a friend who travels, 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 travels. And I remember he posted somewhere that he loved this luggage and it was a little bit more expensive, but as a lifetime guarantee and he'll never go anywhere else. And so I called him up. I said, what was it that you bought? And he told me what it was. And I didn't even shop around. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Why because would you waste I your time? Know, right? yeah. This guy knows. He knows. He's yeah. done all the work. You trust That's him, the marketing. you're done. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so the customer is the marketer. And, and and this man, he doesn't consider himself an influence, an influencer, but he's passionate about travel. He's passionate about having the right tools that help him travel well. And so, boom, I'm just going to listen to him. Yeah. And I mean, we all influence the people around us in one yeah. way or another. Some people make, you're like, wow, that guy bought that luggage. I'm not getting that one. Um, yeah. And some people you do get want to get what they got because you you trust their uh, their judgment. I know I've had friends that researched. I knew they bought something. I knew they always researched stuff ahead of time. So after they did it, I was just like, now I can get what they got because right. I know they did the work. I don't have to go out there and do all the work. I don't have to read all the reviews. I'll just yeah. get what they got. That's how I buy 100%. I don't have time for all that. I just That's a really good point. I find the right friends who are the experts in that area and I just do what they do. Well, you know, but even is, when you buy online anywhere, you look at all the reviews first. You go to Amazon. Is there it. another step to building up this momentum? Yeah, well then the Or, or is that step, the main thing? Is it no, like get into no, I mean, there, there's a there's another step that I think is even bigger than that. And, uh, and a bigger opportunity. And it has to do with mentorship. So and not the old fashioned view of mentorship, which is like, I am your teacher, grasshopper, and I'm going to teach, <laughs> I'm going to spend the next 10 years teaching you this craft. If you need to learn something today, you don't need a mentor, you need YouTube, just go to YouTube, you can learn anything. Today, the role of a mentor is coming alongside you and when you need them and opening a door. 
creating right. an opportunity, in making an, an, an introduction to you that will help you get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Are you me- talking about being an authority? Like you're saying, making if you make YouTube making- videos on the subject or yeah. is it something different? Is this a give to the people? It's a give. So for example, I mean, something that I, that I do every single day of my life is uh, I, I like to help build momentum for other people. I like to create these sparks, these sparks of initial advantage, this momentum for other people. And so I'll see someone who's like working on something, maybe they're struggling with something and I think it's good and I believe them in them. And I'll say, look, I know a person in LA, this is what they do all the time. Let me make this introduction to you and let's see if we can get this moving for you. Or, you know, hey, this person has a book. I was just on this podcast. You would be perfect for this show. Let me connect you, right? And who knows where that exposure to, will lead, but it all adds up. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I am your mentor for the next year. No way, right? I don't want that. Nobody really wants another full-time job. What I'm saying is I want to help you get to the next level. If there's right. anything I can do to open a door, create an opportunity, make an introduction, that to me is the fastest and most powerful way to, to get momentum spinning up to the next level. So if companies can figure out a way that they can have a give to their audience in general, something, whether it's an online tool that solves a problem for them, some sort of give that it sounds like what you're saying is that creates the, like, they can't be the trusted person right away. So you're going to need to get reviews and social proof and all that stuff. But if you have a give, now you built that trust and they will take, when, when they see your marketing messaging, they will accept it instead of questioning it and looking well, for I think, the proof. I almost think you're making it a little too complicated here. I mean, I just think that, I mean, let's <laughs> say, you know, w- what this is about is looking up, reaching out and reaching up and saying, I want to be known as a futurist. Mm-hmm. This, this person right here is known as the greatest futurist in the world. How do I connect to this person and, and let him help me achieve my goal. So there's an art and science to creating this relationship. There's mm-hmm. an art and science to nurturing it, maintaining it on both sides, right? And it blows apart this traditional idea of mentorship. But I think we always need to be thinking about this is like, if you really want to get to the, you know, get to the next level, uh, you, you've got it. You've got to do that at some point in your life. And, if, and, and, you know, I'm at a great point in my life where I have, a, a, you know, people listen to me, they trust me. I have a large platform. So I love, it's a big part of who, of who I am. You're is, a giver. It's a giver. Yeah. yeah. And, and because, you know, I'm, I'm at a point in my life, I, I can send the elevator back down. Lots of people help me along the way. And, and I can do that for others. And, and, I, and I do that, you know, every, every single day, multiple times a day. You have successfully built momentum to where in the B2B industry, in the marketing industry, and maybe many others, I would say you are an influencer. There are people think of influencers as people taking bikini photos on, on Instagram or something like that, or maybe <laughs> TikTok these days. But in the yeah. B2B space, there are people who are known. I would say you are one of those sure. people that yeah. people say, oh, if, you know, Mark Schaefer says this, then I, 
Um, I, I believe I'm just taking his word for it. I don't need to go do the research. I can trust this guy. Um, you know, you Especially put out a book, people want to read see it. Mark's bikini photos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I buying mean, that bikini. Hey, everyone. I'm, I'm sure subscribe to my TikTok channel because you are in for a big surprise. <laughs> All right. We got some Borat action from Mark Schaefer here. <laughs> um, Okay, I think, is there anything else on the book? Because there's so many other things we want to get to. We got to take yeah, yeah. a break in the middle here. Can you put like a, kind of a cap on the book that leaves people, I guess, needing to go get it? I know we can't just read the whole book on the uh, air. I mean, the, but... the, the, the one piece of feedback I'm getting consistently now, and, and I'm so grateful that people are really, really loving the book is having a very deep impact on people is, uh, is if you read this book, you'll never see the world the same way again. You'll start recognizing these patterns of momentum everywhere you go. And then you can start also applying these patterns to your own life hmm. and kind of harness this power for yourself. That's fantastic. And it'll be in the show notes, the information on, uh, on this book, Cumulative Advantage. Uh, a lot of great stuff in there. We're going to take a quick break. We're speaking with Mark Schaefer. He's the CEO of Schaefer Marketing Solutions about, I don't know, all kinds of stuff, but I guess we, we've covered your, your book, Cumulative Advantage. And then after the break, we're going to get into this uh, Google, Google cutting out the cookies. Yeah, let's get into that. A little bit. Yep. So you're listening to the If You Market Podcast, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. Mark, before the break, we talked about your new book, Cumulative Advantage. Now we want to get into you a little bit. Most of the listeners probably know who you are. We had quite an introduction for you because I'm a super fan. But um, can you talk, I guess, we've, you've been on the show before, so we've dug into you and your past a little bit. What I really want to get into is th this last year, like you put on these amazing events and then COVID hit. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to have to wait now. And then I got the news. Mark Schaefer has coronavirus. And this was early in the pandemic. And mm -hmm. the only news was people get it and they die. Mm -hmm. And I thought, <laughs> I, I'm just going to meet Mark. I was just going to go to one of his events. And now he's going to die of coronavirus. You didn't. You're here with us. Can you yeah. Tell us about your experience a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, my wife actually picked it up uh, on a family ski trip and uh, brought it home and she got sick. Uh, she was sick for about two and a half weeks. And then, you know, gratefully and miraculously, she was feeling better when I started getting sick. So my nightmare scenario was what if we were both sick at the same time? Because of course yeah. you're locked in your house. You can't do anything. You can't Nobody's going to come and help you. Yeah, you're in No one's going to help us. Yeah. And I wouldn't <laughs> expect them or want them to. And so I was sick, uh, you know, pretty sick for about three months. 
I did not have to go to the hospital. There were a couple of days, maybe I should have gone to the hospital, but I, you know, at that, it's just, this is like, you, you know, in those early days, it's like, if you go out that door, you may not be coming back. You know, <laughs> you go on a ventilator, they're putting you into a coma. It's like, no, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out here as long as I can. So it took me about you know, three weeks or so. I, I think it took me a month before I tested negative again. And then the weird thing was, is um, the surge in antibodies triggered a new disease in me. So uh, about three weeks after I was all better, I got sick again <laughs> and I had a fever. That happened like, to one of my clients. That's actually, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, do I, uh, you know, do I have COVID all over again? And long, 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 long story short, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. I was initially misdiagnosed. Finally, they figured it out in December. So I was I was sick about 10 out of 12 months of 2020. And wow. uh, so basically, uh, you know, they figured it out right before Christmas. And uh, I feel like a new man now. So yeah, so I'm better. I'm good. All my lights are green. And here we go. Fantastic. You have a, a new lease here on uh, a new outlook on everything. Before. Probably that's pretty scary to go through all that, go through it again. So little was known about it when you got it that, yeah. I mean, imagine getting it the second time you probably just thought, okay, this is what it does. I guess now I'm, I'm just going to keep getting it. Thank God we're through all that. Now your events though, you put on yeah. some great events. Yeah. When? So, the- uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I have, I have this small event called the uprising and I was really inspired by when I was writing the marketing rebellion book, it's like, there's this power in bringing people together. And I used to have a big event that would get 500, 600 people. And I didn't like that at all. It was just like a blur and it was stressful. And, but I wanted to create something small where you have meaningful discussions and you create meaningful new relationships. So like a podcast that lasts a couple of days, right? Like, yeah, three days, <laughs> a three day podcast. And so I created this event and we go to this, this lodge in the woods and we have great food and entertainment and it's, we're surrounded by gardens and, and ponds and hiking trails. And it was magical. And, and, and literally it was the best thing I've done in my career. And more than one person said this was a life-changing event. And so, boom, then COVID hits and, you know, it's all out the door. So I was, I, I did an experiment last year with some of the people who were at this live event. I said, let's do this little thing online. One of the people who, who was at the event had a new book out. So I said, let's all get back together. And when we got back together, and it was, it was like that same sort of spark was there. Uh, the same sort of high level discussions and debate came back. And I said, you know, how many people are you talking about here? You're online. How many people? Are well, you let's see. The, 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 the live event was 30. And this was just an invitation only thing. You know, the online event, it may be 20, you know, 2025. It, I, I, I didn't want it to be big. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of people it, to be on a Zoom call. Yeah, it's meant to be. It's meant to be a conversation, you know. And so, but we we experimented with breakout rooms and stuff, and everybody was very enthused about it. So, I've had this thing online a few times. I'm having it online again in October of this year, and then finally, I'm going to have it in uh, live again at the lodge, April of uh, 2022. 
But one of the things I learned is that there's a benefit to the online format because it became more international. Mm -hmm. It became more inclusive because it's a low price point. You don't have to travel. And so like I learned things from doing it online. And I think even if we, when we go back live, I still might want to have some kind of an online component because I liked having this international flavor. I liked including people who might not be able to afford, you know, the the bigger ticket of of going to a live event at the lodge. Especially when it's a small event. I mean, imagine a lot of people want to get in and you're like Jimmy Buffett saying, sorry, I'm having lunch with one person. Yeah, (laughs) kind of goes in line with what we talked about the first part of this show, you know, that cumulative effect. And wait, I said Jimmy Buffett, I meant Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett trashed me for that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, maybe I'd rather meet Jimmy than Warren. Yeah, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) I'm not paying ten thousand dollars for lunch with Jim with Warren. No, Jimmy Buffett. I don't know the difference between the two anymore. Maybe if you really liked him, you would. I want a hamburger, a drink, and some stock advice and some margaritas. Uh, Get them both. Yeah, some margaritas. (laughs) I want both of them at for lunch. Okay, so that's that's great to hear. I'm excited. Something about the live events, like you said, the online ones, it's a different animal and they're both good. But the live events, I really, maybe it's the lack of them this last year, but a small live event for that, I just have well, a craving you know, one of the things, sort of thing. I, I, I don't have data on this, but I, I kind of have this sense. I've been doing a lot of live events, not mine, but I mean, just being a speaker at live events. And I think there is a weariness creeping in. And so you get, I was doing a a coaching session yesterday. For you or in general? For everybody. And, and, and because then there's a certain sameness about these zoom events and, and the, the, you know, the, the people are trying to mix it up. You've got, it's limited. So I was talking to a fellow yesterday and he wants to create this new conference. And he kept saying, oh, you know, we're going to have all this amazing content. We're going to have all this amazing content. I said, let me ask you something. What's the number one reason that people go to an event? He said, to get new information. I said, wrong. That's not it. That's not even, it's not even in the top three. The main reason people go to a live event is because they want to get out of the house. They want to have fun. They want to see people. They want to network. They want to see people. They want to network. They want to see their old buddies and go to that steakhouse they always go to. There's an energy to it that you're not going to have on us. You're not jumping off your couch and going to the Zoom thing and being like, "Yeah, maybe you're." You know, (laughs) another big thing is you. You you know, it's cool. You go to Orlando. You go to you know New York, and you bring your family, and you make it into a little vacation, right? Vacation. And so he completely missed this. And this is the thing, Zoom. You can exchange information. Yep. But it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't do it over a beer on Zoom. Come you on. just can't, you know, you can't get there. And so I think pe- you know, people are, again, I don't have data on this, but I'm, I've got enough data points that I, that I sort of see this thing going on where it's like enough already. You know, we've exchanged information. Uh, I just can't stand going any of these, these things anymore. And um, 
You so, build momentum, Mark. You don't have to anymore. You can have a small, intimate event. And you know what? I said I'm going to put in the show notes. I'm not putting this event in the show notes because you're going to be full anyway. Your in-person event does not need to be. Yeah, I mean, it's, I it's actually taking my seat. It's actually it's actually two thirds sold out. I haven't even announced it. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's forget. We're going to cut that out of the show. Wow. Nobody gets to know about this because I want to make sure I get a spot in there and it's going to be all sold out before you even say a word if I don't be careful. Um. So, okay, I want to make sure we have time. We we covered that stuff. Let's get to this Google cookie thing. Yeah. Yes. The Google cookie thing. I mean, we're talking about here this, this fight in marketing between privacy and providing an, a better experience. It's not, though. It's not. Right. But that's the but argument is on one not- side, hey, we need privacy on the other side, but we we need this information to provide no, a better experience. But it's, but it's that it's not a fight. It, it's it's it, it. This is exactly what I talked about in the marketing rebellion book. It's exactly what I predicted. Exactly, and it is this. It's not a fight. The fight's already over here because when when companies do things that interrupt, annoy, and abuse customers, they're going to lose. Yeah, customers are going to win. Every single time. And this is what I've been saying for years. That marketing is not about intercepting and annoying people. It's about coming alongside them in new ways and helping them at their point of need. And if you're, you know, if you're depending on on interrupting and annoying, you're going to lose. People are spending a lot of money to avoid your ads and block your ads and skip your ads, right? The whole industry is created just to get around them, yeah. That's right, a whole industry. Well, the whole streaming thing, right? And, and so, there, look, it, it's, a, it's a complicated topic. You know, Apple, it's complicated. Google, it's complicated. But at the very highest level, Apple is simply saying, this is not what people want. Right. This is, and they, they've been saying this for years. I mean, you know, Tim Cook said four or five years ago, privacy is a human right. Yeah. Okay. Now, and, my, I, and I think I believe that. I believe it is a human right. But so here's where the balance comes, though. To if, an you're extent. Taking, if you're taking advantage of our human right, you are going down. Maybe you're going to be regulated. Maybe it's going to be legislation. Maybe it's going to be. Uh, a, a consumer rebellion by putting ad blockers on their smart devices, but you're going down. Or the company that creates these things says, we're going to remove the ability to do this because it's yeah. not what people So at want. the highest, highest, highest level, this was inevitable. And it's not to hurt anybody. It's not to punish anybody. It's just, this is the way the world is going. This is the way the world has been going for a hundred years Every time businesses have abused customers, have lied to them, have spammed them, have taken advantage of them, someone steps in. The government yeah. steps in. The law steps in. Maybe Apple steps in or whatever. So you're saying it's not a fight because it's like the, the cause. The fight's over. Right. The cause has already happened. Now it's That's exactly right. Effect. Like right. you can't say we're in the middle of this. You're like, no, no. The, the avalanche has already started. We're just w- witnessing yeah. it now. That's exactly right. Okay, so I guess I would say more than a fight. The debate I see out there, though, between these two things, you say, okay, privacy is a right. But 
when you walk into your local eatery and the person there knows who you are because you eat there a lot, is that your private information and they shouldn't be allowed to remember your name and what your favorite foods are and ask you if you like the eggs sunny side up or like, where do you draw the line? And that's where I see the, the debate is businesses do want information in order to provide a better experience. Now that's the excuse a lot of businesses well, give to abuse. They are providing a better experience. Yeah, but here's here's the dif- here's the difference, and I think this is important. Let's say you walk into the in your favorite diner every day, and you know you order this great big sweet roll, and the, and the people there they know Sky walks in, we're bringing him his coffee and his sweet roll. Then the people in the diner start telling everybody else, you know why Sky's putting on weight? Because he orders <laughs> the same damn thing every day. He's, he's eating these sweet rolls every day. And then you find out about, you said, you know, why'd you have to do that? That's really a, between me and you right now. Right. Here's something I'd like to ask you about. And this is more than, this is really a, a serious point. Do you think we would be where we are today if Facebook was run by Disney? That's that feels like a question I'd have to think too long to, I, to wait, give you an intelligent response I, on. Yeah. KJ, you got it. But, you got it. But, but here's here's my point. What it, but what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. When you think about Disney, this is a brand that will never let you down. You know what it stands for. It's never going to annoy you. It's never going to be mean to you. It's never it's the happiest place, right? right? They don't they don't move fast and break things. That's not their motto. They yeah, they've kind of they're entrenched that's already. Stu- that's a stupid motto anyway. Right. That's, that's no business model. But Facebook doesn't mind if it pisses people off. Or that's exactly messes right. Now, up, like here's here. So uh, years yeah, ago, that's a good point. Here's a here, years ago when Zuckerberg was being investigated. Actually, he's never stopped being investigated uh, for the last 10 years. Basically, he was under investigation and he had to turn over a bunch of emails. And one of the things he said in this email was. I know the way I run my business is I can be unethical, but still follow the law. Right. That's not Disney. That's no. Facebook. All right. That's not Disney's now, tagline. Are you and, sure? And, 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 the thing, and the thing about Facebook is they, they never do the right thing until they get caught. So, so, first, my, yeah. so my point is where we are right now was not inevitable. I think there could have been ways to handle privacy in an elegant way, in an ethical way, in a, in a way that informs and enlightens and cares for people mm-hmm. and nurtures people. You could do it. You could, but they couldn't. Instead, because, we got because from an ethical standpoint, it's a rudderless company. Mark, I hate to tell you, I know we're, you're looking forward to sharing those bikini photos on Instagram. Your account just got <laughs> shut down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't, be the, would, wouldn't be the first time, not going to be the last time, my friend. Interesting. So Facebook, I would say early on before they had momentum, here's maybe a danger of momentum. You get the, all the power and then you can do whatever you want. Before they had momentum, they didn't abuse their users. Um, they said, we don't have ads and we're never going to. They basically pitched themselves as we are the good guys in this space. Yeah. And then once they got momentum and once they had control of everything and everybody was there and they owned the party, then they said, now we own the party. We can do whatever we want and maximize profit. They started off with a good purpose. 
And then they violated that purpose when they got too big. They started off doing whatever they needed to do to get the momentum. And then once they got it, they said, now we can do what we want because we own everything. Right. But, and, but, but they completely lost sight of the, the, the power of, of the consumers that no matter how powerful you are, if you abuse people and annoy people and you, you know, and you leak all their private information, then, you know, you're going to go down. Eventually you're going to go down. Yeah. And, and uh, so it's, it's, it's arrogance really, you know, here's the thing with cookies. I don't think Facebook wanted to leak private information and I don't think Google wants to be better when it comes to privacy. My thought on it is I see Google as a business and they're getting rid of cookies and I'm suspicious that they're doing that because other companies can use that information to market. And if they don't have that, then you're forced into the Google marketplace. Now you have to pay for Google AdWords to deliver your ads because you don't have the information to deliver them directly. Yeah. And I think Facebook, it's yeah, well, a bit it's the multi, same. It's multi-layered. You know, I was reading an article today that Apple has an advertising business. Yeah. It's they very are. small. It's very small. But some people are saying, oh, well, um, hmm. Hmm. It's small, mm. but it has all of Apple's information. How small is it? Like, yeah, maybe small so, enough people don't but, know and, about and, it. And, 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 app, and, you know, Apple publicly is saying, that's not what this is about. Mm. We're doing this because it's the right thing. This is our, and this is true. It's but if they were DNA. bad guys, that's what they would say. <laughs> so you can't, yeah. really, do you really believe it? They're a big company. Yeah, I mean, um, time will tell. So here's the thing. They're not, they're saying, Google's saying privacy is important. We're getting rid of cookies. They're not getting rid of the data they're collecting. They still right. haven't collected all the data. They're getting right. rid of other people's ability to collect mm-hmm. this information. Now they're the only ones with it. They don't mm-hmm. want to give away the info. You can't go to Google yeah. and say, I want to I want to get the information on all the people who ran these searches. Yeah. They have that and they will sell you that in the form of we can put you in front of these people, but they're not going to yeah. give. So they want to have right. info and not have anybody else have it. But we'll, we'll also see this, you know, if if there's, if there's a nefarious operation behind this, then, you know, that's, that'll become apparent soon too. Eventually. And, and the pattern will continue to repeat. If, if you take advantage of consumers and you interrupt them and annoy them, um, you know, I mean, it's awful. You know, it's, it, it's, it, it's awful. I mean, there was, I think I wrote about this in, in, in one of my books that, you know, I, I opted into a piece of content you know, and the next day I'm starting to get phone calls. I'm mm-hmm. at a birthday party. I'm getting phone calls and then I'm being registered for webinars and then I'm getting, you know, and I can't get it to stop. And this right. was a very, very big company. That is abuse. They set up a mechanism and you got into it and then. And you know yeah. why I got into it? Because I trusted them because yeah. I thought this is a big company that I admire. You know, I'm a little nervous about giving this personal information but, you know, I want this white paper or whatever it is. And, you know, I, I think they're a good company. And they turned, they, they flipped my trust, right? I mean, I, I offered my information because I trusted them. And then they taught me, you cannot trust us. Hmm. Right. I think the fear now with the data is, and why I say talking about drawing the line, the big difference between your barista remembering what your drink is and your cell phone or your smart device of any type having a speaker in it that listens to what you're saying and then feeds you ads with those keywords. That's what people are really 
you know, that's the marketing terminator. I think people are afraid of when it comes to data is that all this stuff's being collected without their knowing and is being used to constantly bombard them. Like you, you put your information in one place, but we're getting to the point where it's just, it's collecting. You're not having to type something in stuff's being collected all over the place. Your traffic online, Google knows what you're doing. They know what you're putting into your search. Yeah. Is this going to spring a whole new industry of bots that like put random searches into Google all day when you're not there, just so they don't know what you're actually into? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody needs to program that. Hey, good idea. That's, that's, that could be the beginning of momentum, man. Yeah. Just uh, pursue, pursue the curiosity. The solution to information is counter information. So if you can't get rid of the information that gets put out there, you can just overwhelm what's out there with noise so if you really, your information is going to be out there. You just need to flood the market with so much noise that people can't tell what's your real information and, and, and what's your fake information. There you go. That's the, uh, somebody make that bot and send it to me. I want to have that running whenever I'm not on my computer. Um, all right, Mark, this has been fantastic. I, I can't believe it, but I think we kind of got through at least a dusting of everything we wanted to talk about here. Um, I've got a handful of things I want to put out or before we do that. Any last words to the audience here, B2B marketers, small business owners on, on your book, the uh, like cumulative advantage um, on any of these topics today? Well, I mean, I think the, the, I would just like to, to end by saying, you know, I think we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and just keep fighting to the other side. I mean, we're getting close. And uh, when the whole pandemic started, I know a lot of people thought, oh, we're gonna have a lot of time on our hands we're going to learn a new language or we're going to get a beach body or whatever. And I think the most heroic thing we can do right now is just arrive, you know, with our, with our relationships intact, with our business intact, with our health and our psychology intact. So just hang in there and and things are getting better and um, fight to the other side. Yeah. I got a beach body. It's just a beach whale body. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the same club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just found right. my time got replaced with other things, right? Mm-hmm. Many other things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you always say, Hey, you're on that spaceship to Mars. What are you going to learn? That's what we've been on. We've been on a spaceship to Mars and we found out we're just going to do a lot more of the same. We're just going to watch Netflix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much wine Netflix can we put love on the that, spaceship? Right. <laughs> All yeah. right. Um, well, thanks for coming on, Mark. You can find uh, the show notes. We'll have more information on Mark Schaefer. Uh, that's on ifyoumarket.com. We'll have everything but his event. You'll have to listen back to hear what that is and try to find it. I'm not publicizing that. And uh, not for bad reasons. It's just going to be full, so we don't need to. And uh, please share the show on social media. Um, hey, you want to pick up another business podcast? If you're listening to us and you're not already listening to Mark Schaefer, go check out uh, his podcast. That's the Marketing Companion Podcast. That'll be in the show notes as well. His new book, Cumulative Advantage. His old books, Marketing Rebellion and everything else. His blog, Grow, that'll all be in the show notes. And uh, on behalf of Carla Joe Helms and the Ify Market team and Mark Schaefer of Schaefer Marketing Solutions, thank you for listening to the Ify Market Podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it, with care and concern and purpose and ethics and cumulative marketing. <laughs> yeah, I, my notes just have question marks. I don't know for this episode what's supposed to go. You we will win. And with Mark Schaefer, you will with win. Mark, yeah, with Mark Schaefer, then yeah. uh, they will come.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.